presented by Best One Since the Next One. I'm your trusty Star Wars correspondent, Stephanie. And I'm her Star Wars-obsessed twin, Allison. And we're a couple of real-life renegade clones who will be covering our favorite fictional renegade clones as we discuss season two of The Bad Batch. Sorry we've been kind of MIA. We got a little bit behind in this. Um, I was sick. It's just a cold, but it really knocked me out. And then I gave it to Allison. Yeah, and I currently kind of have it, so you might hear that in my voice, but it's all good. She's feeling much better, but, you know, twins living together, having the same DNA. We always get each other sick, except that one time I got COVID and I didn't get you sick. And it was also our birthday, so that... Oh, yeah, and it was our birthday! We We were healthy for our birthday. I mean, I was kind of like... Still sort of sick, but I still drink margaritas, so, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) I didn't care. So we are doing a double episode this week. We're talking episode 12, The Outpost, and episode 13, Pabu, and we're talking those in one episode, which I think will be interesting because we also watched them back to back because we fell behind when we were sick and birthday madness and all that, so... We are here to talk about some episodes, capital E episodes. Let's get right to it. Um, Let's talk episode 12 of The Bad Batch, The Outpost. Uh, Holy shit. That was was an episode of television. That was an episode of Star Wars. That was an episode of television. That was a thing. Let's just get through it uh, and get, get to the, the credits real quick. The directors, head two directors, are uh, trusty directors, Nathaniel Vill- Villanueva and Brad Rao, and written by showrunner herself, Jennifer Corbett. Mm. They brought out the big guns for this one, and it shows. And, ooh, I just, ugh. Okay. Ugh. I heard everyone losing their shit about this episode before I felt like my brain was at a level that could process it. And I'm glad I like, I, I could glean that it was about crosshair, but I locked down the spoilers and waited till I was well enough to like enjoy it. And oh man, I'm so glad I did. Cause oh my God. I, I managed to remain, other than knowing it was a crosshair episode, I managed to remain completely free of spoilers. I can see, like I love all of Bad Batch crosshair included and i could see if i were like a crosshair mega fan feeling a little let down by the season just because he was in one episode a great episode at the beginning of the season but then has not shown his face since but oh my god this was quite a return Mm -hmm. and his story oh i just all right let's just get to it because like Mm this i feel like if i were like really bent out of shape about it i haven't said that I've really noticed that much because I love everyone in the batch, but this really was like, whoa, getting back to Crosshair. So yeah, we've got Crosshair catching up with him and he is going, I think he's on Coruscant. No, is he on Coruscant or is he on, um, yeah, no, you, you know what? I'm, I don't remember now. It's unclear. It's a little unclear, but I think he must be where he was before. He's waiting for like new orders for a mission. He's noticing all of these stormtroopers complaining about their forced retirement and things. You mean clone troopers? Cl- clone troopers. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Clear distinction. Clone troopers. Stormtroopers yeah. are getting set off on missions and clone troopers are being for- put into forced retirement. And he's just sort of observing it all, doing his sort of stoic crosshair thing. Then Crosshair meets this real, uh, real shithead. <laughs> Let's yeah. just get it out of the way. I don't Lieutenant even know his Nolan. Name. Lieutenant, Lieutenant Nolan. Lieutenant Nolan. Yeah. 
just a real piece just of shit. absolute asshole. Yeah, yeah. with his Scumbag. British accent and his little Weird helmet eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I this is not yeah. a this is not a fun villain. I just no. wanted him to yeah, die just the worst a death. Um, From the all right, beginning. yeah. So he's. He's letting him, he lets Crosshair know that his unit is being reassigned to an Imperial Depot on Barton 4, which is some planet, uh, and saying that it's been targeted by local insurgents due to it's the cargo that's being protected there. So also this Nolan guy is really annoyed by the fact that he seems to be having to do this mission with clone troopers. And he says... That he doesn't like used equipment, which is like, and <laughs> yeah, blah, blah, blah. This guy is the embodiment of everything that was pres that is present in the Empire, and also was present in the old the the Republic before. If it weren't like the Jedi, the rest mm. of the Republic really had a whole thing. It was like a plotline that was explored a lot in Clone Wars of like not thinking of the clones as humans and thinking yeah, of them as like them, thinking them dehumanizing, as like, thinking that this property war uh, yeah. tools of warfare not much more than droids in terms of mm -hmm. their value, disposable mm -hmm. you know, just numbers um, you know, and the, the clones themselves and the Jedi being like the only people who like treat them as people so, I mean we can just get right into it because the whole thing I've always talked about with Crosshair is that I think that his whole storyline and his whole reason why he is doing what he's doing or like aligning himself with the Empire, although it's becoming increasingly difficult for him to do so, is because he is having such a difficult time sort of processing the trauma of realizing that he's not considered to be a human by a ton of people, not just the people that he's working for. Like, and that sort of thing that we've always talked about is like his whole thing in his arc when we in, meet the clone with uh, clone force 99 and the bad batch in the clone wars is like oh we're not like the regs we're different we're better the regs those are clone troopers we're clone force 99 we're right. different we're unique we're more like actual people with real whole identities yeah he has he's so focused on that that it makes him be an asshole to other clones and also, but like, as you're thinking about it, you're like, I think that this is really for him, his way of like processing this whole, like, I am a product of war. Am I human? I, I have to be better than these clones. And then that's why he, in order to like be okay with this, like, that's the only way I can be okay with this. And then the mm -hmm. other, and then when he succumbs to the chip, he has to force himself to say, that wasn't me being mind controlled. I wanted to do that because if he admits that he succumbed to it while the rest of the Clone Force 99 didn't, or even that he was able to be programmed like that against his will, if he admits to that, then that's him admitting to the fact that he's no different from the rest of them, that he is like mm -hmm. everyone, all of them else and all of them, and that they're all just pawns and that in the greater schemes of the emperor and the empire, they are 100% disposable. And so like his whole thing, like I got my chip removed, but I'm still team empire is like his way of trying to say, no, 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 no. 
I wasn't mind controlled. I wanted to do that because good soldiers follow orders. And that's, I'm going to cling to that because it's the only thing I have to like convince, to help myself be okay with having experienced that, mm-hmm. which I yeah, think is like a really, whole, it's like this ahead. whole identity that he's like, he's like dug this hole for himself that he can't get out of because it's everything to do with his identity and his sense of self, but it's put him in this impossible position. Yeah. And we're going to see that whole thing come to play in this Mm -hmm. brilliant half hour of television. Like Mm -hmm. what the hell? It was incredible. One of the best things I've ever watched. Yeah. And like the fact that it could like really create this huge arc of like character development for Crosshair in just one episode of television Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. So we cut to them. Uh, they all arrive on this world of Barton 4. It's a snowy world, which is just, I think, just the Bad Batch team just showing off how good their animation mm-hmm. is. Oh, my that God. It's just yeah. snow everywhere, blowing. Round of applause for the animation in this episode. The lighting, the snow, the accumulation of snow, the texture of the snow. Yeah, it looked real. It was insane. It looked better than real. Okay. Yeah, it was just them showing off at this point, but it was so cool. It was like a dark, blizzardy world. Okay. So they find the depot, which only has um, three clones there. Uh, A commanding officer, a bearded clone named Mayday, whose armor is all pieced together with like bandages, like it's been falling apart. Mm -hmm. Uh, and or like it's weatherproofed um, and says that they expected a supply ship to come for 36 rotations. And he explains that the rest of his squad is all dead and there's only two two clones left and him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this Nolan guy seems to be instead of being like, oh, my God, what happened? It's like, well, that's your fault. Why are you, why'd you fail to do that to like protect the cargo? Right. Why can't you protect your soldiers? All of this. Yeah. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Like basically like it has nothing to do with the lack of support you're getting from us. If you could do your job the way your mission, the way you were supposed to be doing it, then your, your men would be alive. And you would yeah. And Mayday alive. has, is not hiding his disdain for this guy. And the, and it's very like bold and like kind of, kind of shocking to Crosshair, I think. I mean, he doesn't say anything, but you can just tell. Um, mm-hmm. But he's like, he's so done with this whole thing. But yep. he's like, he's refusing to let this guy talk down to him because he's like, technically I outrank you because I'm a commander and you're a lieutenant. But right. this guy's still insisting on talking down to him because he is not a clone and this guy's right. a clone. But Right. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and then... <laughs> And then after he leaves, this Mayday guy asks Crosshair what his name is, which it's amazing because Crosshair pauses for a second and it's like, Mm -hmm. when's the last time someone asked him what his name was? You know, instead of like just his number. I don't know. He's been just referred to. He almost seems to like forget, like, or like. But. What am I supposed to say? Yeah, he pauses. Like, what am I supposed to say? But instead of responding with the number that he's been using ever since Mm -hmm. he decided he was not Team Bad Batch anymore, he says Mm -hmm. his name is Crosshair, which I was just like, oh, 
And oh, I was like, oh, oh man, okay, okay, what's going? Mm-hmm. It's going down. And then you know, and then this Mayday keeps talking to him like, okay, we're two clones, we can talk about this. Like he's talking to him like, let's talk shit about the non-clones and the commanders. And Crosshair's mm-hmm. like, oh my god, this person's talking to me like a human who he trusts. And he's like, sort of very cautiously talking about it too, being like, yeah, I guess I'm unlucky. Like nobody has mm-hmm. talked to him like this for so long, and. Mayday doesn't even question it because he's like, it's another clone. Right. Um, right. And we can talk to each other this way. Exactly. Like there's solidarity in our common treatment. And Crosshair has been so isolated yeah. that that just that is just like shocking to him. It's mm-hmm. just like so like revelatory. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. All right. So... Mayday talks about how there's been raiders who've been catching them off guard and stealing the cargo and killing all their men and saying that the sensors that are guarding the um, depot have been degraded because of all the snowy Arctic conditions. Crosshair asks what the cargo is and Mayday says he's he has no idea and he's never really bothered to find out. Yeah, he says it's above their pay grade. But it's clearly so important that they have to like do all of this just to protect it. Meanwhile, the whole time that all this is happening, Crosshair is noticing these big like vultures flying, circling up above. Yeah, and they're just like the animation with the shadows and things and the snow of them. And the sound design too. Yeah. So ominous. And Crosshair notices them and Mayday notices him noticing them. So he talks about them and he's like talking about how they do what they need to to survive. Mm-hmm. He kind of admires them for being able to do that out here. And then the raiders attack Crosshair and Mayday spring into action. Crosshair goes into his little sniper position to shoot one of the raiders, but then a shutter, uh, a shutter, a shuttle blows up um, and like temporarily blinds him. So he doesn't actually hit the guy like to kill him. He like hits him, but he's not dead. And he so he away. follows the trail of blood in the snow to catch him Mm -hmm. and Mayday finds him too. And they're basically tracking it together. They're tracking it together. Yeah. And they find the tunnel. And don't the Uh, other two guys die? Yeah. The other two guys die. It's literally just them. them. Yeah. It's just them. The other two guys, one of them got killed in the explosion. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, One of them got killed at the same time. Clone moment. I I feel like it hasn't been. I feel like it may be the first time that we've like lampshaded it, but yeah, the, so one of them gets killed in the explosion. I don't remember what happened to the other one, but it's like it's literally they're the only two left. I know. And um, this guy, the, um, I don't know, dipshit fucker or whatever the hell that Imperial guy's name is, is like, you guys have to get the cargo back. Yeah, even though Mayday's trying to be like, well, uh, they Hex and Beach, who were the other guys, just died. And, you know, and he's like, oh, you still have to, you messed it up. Not my problem. You have to get them back. So he sends them back out and they find this tunnel where they think the guy who was right. They've escaped to. tracked him to the, the blood trail to this tunnel. And they're like, oh, this is where they're coming through to, to, you know, this is how they get through our systems, tracking systems to, you know, ambush us. And then they find the dead body of the guy who was apparently bleeding in the cave. Mayday said he's disturbed that 
the comrades of this guy just left him there. Mm-hmm. And Crosshair's like, well, there's no point in carrying dead weight. And Mayday's mm-hmm. like, oh, remind me not to die on your watch. It's like kind of funny, but it's also like Crosshair being like, okay, so, you know, that might be a bit of a hmm, foreshadowing. foreshadowing. And then Crosshair steps on a pressure mine, which is like a yes. mine that like you step on. And if you step off of it, if you lift your foot up, Highly familiar with them from my many times playing Fallout New Vegas. Oh, yeah. They're also in, um, aren't they also in uh, Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront? Oh, yeah. They're in everything. The Star Wars version. Yeah. Very basic, very basic landmine kind of construction. I'm no expert, but. (laughs) You know, your basic landmine, your basic landmine. Okay. (laughs) You got your your war flashbacks to Fallout New Vegas. (laughs) Listen. All right. War never changes. (laughs) Okay. So he steps on the pressure mine and then Mayday's like, all right, don't step off of it. We're going to disarm how to, we're, I'm going to disarm it. He doesn't have the right tools, but he's learned how to improvise. And- yeah. And high pressure. I mean, we all know that Crosshair's not going to explode right now, but like, it's still like probably one of the most nerve wracking things I've ever had to watch. Well, anytime someone's disarming an explosive device, I'm always like, yeah, ah. but it's also but- scary because you get the sense from Crosshair's perspective, like he's, he has to keep his weight perfectly even on this mine or else it's going to go off before it's disarmed. Mm-hmm. And this guy, fuck, what's his name? Mayday. Mayday is like, obviously like, so first of all, isn't sure how much he trusts Crosshair, so he's kind of nagging him, but also is clearly like just so he's like seen it all. He's just so jaded at this point that he's taking it so casually. He's just trying to have like a casual conversation with him. Yeah, he's trying to have a conversation to like calm his nerves while he does it. Yes. The the funny thing is it's well, I just think it's so funny. It's just the kind of like and crosshair, you could just tell he's playing along, but it's like you just feel so bad for him. Like, oh my God, that's awful to be in that situation where you're like, well, could explode any second now, but I guess we're doing small talk. I guess that's, I mean, Mm -hmm. what else can you do? And then he, during the small talk, he asks him what division he was in, like what Mm -hmm. his unit was. And Mm -hmm. once again, it's like, when's the last time anyone asked him that? And Mm -hmm. he says he was part of Clone Force 99. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he Mayday's like, well, what happened to them? And Crosshair just sort of pauses and says, they're gone. Which like, oh, ouch. Big ouch. Mayday assumes that means that they're dead because that's yeah. really what that means. But no. And it's like to Crosshair, they kind of are. Ugh. Ugh. But like, he's like finding in this guy like that, like, you know, that connection that he had with them. He hammers down the mine and then he walks around the corner and he's like, uh, slowly lift off your foot. I'm going to go over here. And he's like, oh. Here. <laughs> I had to laugh. That was actually like so funny. Yeah. yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, he's like, Crosshair says like, oh, you know, I, your confidence. I, your confidence. Like, yeah. And he's like, like I'm confident. Late. He's like, I'm confident in my work, but I'm also not stupid. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to be over here and, you know, but it's essentially like if I hear an explosion, I know it doesn't work. <laughs> He's okay. All right. So they continue. No one blows up. They find mm-hmm. the hideout of the of the raiders and they sneak attack it with electromagnetic pulse grenades and they go into like cool clone trooper mode and they mm-hmm. end up taking out all of the raiders and by crosshair basically shooting the power generator and 
cause an explosion and they are blown down the mountain with the rest of the cargo containers, which blows open the cargo containers Hmm. for them to see that what was inside the cargo containers that they've been protecting this whole time is new armor for stormtroopers, not clone armor. Yeah. And it's not even that big a deal. It's like just gear for stormtroopers, which just hammers home that and and Mayday's like, okay, so that's how much they care about us. That they're sacrificing us to just guard the gear for our replacements. That's so much more important than we are. Mm-hmm. And then the but the explosion, they feel the ground shaking and they realize that an av- avalanche is coming, probably triggered by that explosion. Mm-hmm. And they run away. Mayday sort of pushes Crosshair away and then Crosshair is in the snow and he digs himself out of the snow to look for Mayday. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's clearly kind of distraught to find Mayday, which is like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like emotion from Crosshair shown to, I mean, we've seen a lot of emotion from Crosshair. He's a really interesting character, but like he's clearly grown connected to this, this guy that Mm -hmm. he's just met because he's the first clone in so long that's like shown him, like serious like care as a, as a fellow human being which is like mm-hmm. something he's so lacking. He finds him and digs him out of the snow, but Mayday is like no you have to go and save yourself, but Crosshair refuses, which is a callback yes. to like he's not going to do the thing like carrying dead weight like Right. It's not it matters that he gets him out. And then like over like the course of several days they carrying him basically back across i don't know if it was like days or not i'm not sure how long it was it maybe it's the next day i think it's just overnight because otherwise i don't think they would have made it but yes yeah they end up having to spend the night and he keeps him warm and then they have to go back out and they're both like freaking not in good shape but yeah he's really not in good shape Basically on the brink of death. But but, but Crosshair is not giving up on him. So they 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 stumble back at the depot and mm-hmm. collapse. And Nolan, the guy the Mr. Lieutenant. Well, Dick there's Shet, already stormtroopers who have been brought in to, to load some of the cargo. So mm-hmm. it's a bunch of stormtroopers now. The clones are gone, obviously, because they were the only two left. He comes and finds them and he immediately Instead of being like, oh, my God, what happened? Are you okay? They're clearly, like, not in good shape. He's like, what's the meaning of this? Like, he's scolding them, you know? Like, how did you fail so badly at this? Yeah, you don't have the equipment. Crosshair's like, "Uh, he needs a medic. And Nolan's like, no, I'm not going to waste my time on that. Uh, It's a waste of Imperial resources, and I can't believe you failed to retrieve the stolen cargo. And then Mayday dies. Yeah, he he dies and Crosshair's like, it, you could have saved him. You could have saved him, yeah. Because yeah. he's like, we don't know if he could have saved him, but he's right. like literally like, no, I'm not even going to get a medic. I don't care about you. You're not human to me. Like He basically is like, yeah, but clone troopers are expendable and I'll, if you continue to disrespect me, I'll kill you too. And then he's just like, so get back to work, which is like, also Crosshair's not in good shape either. Yeah, like, what? Like it's not like you're going to be able to get back to work. He needs medical attention too. Yeah, they both do. They both did. And now one does still. Mm-hmm. And then Crosshair sees one of those ice vultures circling again. 
Mm-hmm. And then clearly waiting to, you know, and says yeah. Lieutenant Nolan, and then Lieutenant Nolan goes back and he stands up and shoots him. Yes, that is to say, Crosshair shoots Nolan. It's yeah. like he's thinking, he sees the, which is sh- holy shit. He sees yeah. the circling vulture and he's like, this vulture is going to take Mayday. I'm like, yeah. he, I keep on forgetting his name for some reason. He's going to take Mayday. I might as well give him this motherfucker too. Yeah, exactly. You know, we want to talk about somebody whose life isn't worth, worth who's, who's expendable. Yeah. It's this asshole. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. and it's such a major shift from everything Crosshair has made his identity since season one. It is like so monumental and it happens so suddenly, but in the moment that it happens, it makes more sense than anything he's ever done. It's like, yes, yes. you would do that too in this situation. The entire audience wants him to do that. He does it and it makes sense. It's the most perfect character pivot it's just it was just such a masterful episode of storytelling, yeah, because of, terms- of how every single experience that Crosshair has in this depot leads him to make this major decision that will affect him and affect everyone and makes no sense and is so risky and like illogical. It's just emotional, which is yeah, it's completely emotional. Yeah, and he's never he hasn't allowed himself he's to been be emotional. Devastated that his yeah. friend, this new friend that he's grown so connected to, that he tried so hard to save, died because this guy did not care about him mm-hmm. or his friend. That he just kills him out of anger. Like that is such a. I mean, like, and you know, that's. Doing, like, violence out of anger like that, I guess one could say is dark side. But for him, that's like an act of redemption because that's him just saying, no, my my feelings, my caring about this person, Mm -hmm. that's his rebellion right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. It's more important than what would logically make sense. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. good soldiers don't follow orders at this point. Mm -hmm. Good soldiers take care of other people of each other Mm -hmm. and fuck you (laughs) Mm -hmm. like huge 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 so but the but he does this i mean like it's not smart he knows what he's doing the stormtroopers all can see him so they start running towards him he collapses and like right because he's already not doing great yes and we're like wow the show could have ended it the episode could have ended at that point and we'd be like Mm -hmm. whoa but no that's what i thought was going to happen yeah because it like fades it's like really you hear like the the vulture like circling. You expect there to be cult, like credits. Credits, but then we open instead to Crosshair awakening, and it's like kind of fuzzy, and he's like clearly out of it in like a medical chamber, mm-hmm. where he's greeted by Emery Carr, that clone lady with the goggle. That not clone lady, cloning lady with the yeah, goggles. Scientists, scientist lady, on suggesting Mount, Mount he's Tantus. on Mount Tantus. Suggesting that they moved him there because that's where she is. And we're like, what is going on? And he asks where he is. She doesn't say anything. She just says a doctor will come for him once he's healed. He asks who she is. She doesn't say. And then she tells him to remain calm and injects him with something that puts him to sleep. And as he's falling asleep, she tells him that if he cooperates, he may survive. End credits. What? What the hell? 
what's this about? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm losing my shit here. Wow. Okay. Wow. First of all, wow, that episode. But what is going on? That what are they doing to Crosshair? What are they doing to Crosshair on Mount Tantus? This can't I be good. Know. And no, is it prompted? Terrible. Is it prompted by the fact that he, they thought they like, well, they thought they boosted his chip. But then he Ooh. had his chip removed, or at least he said that. Which we don't I mean, know anything about that. That might have something to do with what's happening here. We know nothing about what he's talking about when he says he had his chip removed. Like we, we do know no that it's true. That. We know that yeah, it's but, true because the, the creators did confirm that it's true. Yes, but we don't afterwards. know why and in what circumstances. And how. Mm-hmm. So, like, did they – were they concerned that, like, his act of rebellion um, in this episode was, like uh, – rejection of his whatever mind control they they're trying to do like why not if clone troopers are so expendable and he was just they were just keeping him around because he's talented if he does this my question is why not just kill him like any other clone trooper would be killed if they did this why mm. bring him to mount tantus and send him to scientist lady like what's going on mm. Something's going to come She's also together. looking for, they're also looking for Omega, who's, you know, not part, she's not part of Clone Force 99 officially. I mean, she is now, though they don't know that. But, like, they're doing something with, like, these, like, clone, with this clone genetic research that is so many questions. I know. Oh, my God. And what about bringing him there? Did it have to do with the fact that he did that? Or was it just because he would have been killed and they were like, oh, no, you can't kill him. So bring him here instead. Maybe. That's what I'm wondering. I mean, among so many other things, I'm wondering if it's just because of who he is that they didn't kill him and brought him here instead. Or is does it have something to do with the decision he made at the depot? Damn. Yeah. Wow. Easily, like, easily one of the best episodes of Star Wars anything I've ever seen. Easily one of the best episodes of television on its own. Like, just absolute perfection storytelling from beginning to end in every way. Like, I can't, there there aren't enough words to explain how good this episode was. Like, among, like, the talking, like, same level as, like, the best episodes of Andor were, you know? Which is also same. Oh, yeah. Definitely, wow. like, way up there with some of the best, best episodes. episodes of the Clone Wars, you know. Like, last season of Clone Wars, last mm-hmm. season of Rebels. Right. Um, like, ooh, man, just hits. So good. Yeah, so there's that. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, all hail Bad Batch, all hail Jennifer Corbett and the team behind it, because, wow, what mm-hmm. an episode. I am so excited for what it's setting up, and I just, Yeah. Hot damn. All right. Uh, a pivot for the next episode that we'll be talking about, episode 13, Pabu. This one is directed by Stuart Lee and written by Amanda Rose Munoz. And we got we check back with Omega and the Bad Batch for this one. This one, very tonally different. This mm-hmm. one was a calm before the storm. This one made me uneasy because yeah. of how I, I could see somebody like saying after the outpost that this episode was too jarringly lovely. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it just made me uneasy. It just filled me with dread because yeah. Star Wars never lets anyone be this happy. And mm-hmm. this episode lays out, we'll, we'll get more into it, but this episode lays out so blatantly, almost 
like I said, like someone might say, what is this like happy-go-lucky paradise? Like what is going on? Like after all that dark episode that came before it, this lays out so blatantly a possible future for the yeah, Batch. like a redemptive, a redemptive, a redemptive future. future separate from war. Basically, what they've always wanted, or what they what they have come to realize they wanted. Yes, because they, not always they didn't always want this, but like the, no, the, what the, they need. Kind of the thing that that's been circling this whole time, this whole season, and yeah. bits of last season too, like. They're soldiers. They're trying to figure out how to exist without being soldiers. But they have this child now. They're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how, like, they've raised her as a soldier, essentially, because that's all they know. They're doing sort of violent, dangerous, non-soldier mercenary work that they're teaching her how to be competent in. But this whole season and last season, too, has been circling this idea of, like, well, she is a child and we do care about her and we would like to maybe find a way away from war at all where she could just be a kid. Right. Yeah. Even back with like, you know, the kaleidoscope in episode one kind of thing. Yeah. And in last season with like meeting Hera, meeting little Hera mm-hmm. in last season and learning her to have play another ball kid, things like learning that. to play ball. This episode really brought me back to that episode, that second episode of season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut and run where they go mm-hmm. they go meet cut and um his family yeah. mm-hmm. really brought me back to that because that was another smaller scale version of of a vision of a potential future for them but at mm-hmm. that stage they were not ready for they were not ready to consider it because they had only just well yeah at that stage they were thinking let's just give omega to this guy yeah but now because they're they didn't like think that that was a possibility for them to do that kind of to choose yes. that life. This episode is really showing very blatantly a possible, very utopian future for them in which they could find a place that is so separate from war that they could live new lives as human beings instead of as soldiers mm-hmm. and as a family that could raise a child who is able to enjoy normal childlike things and be like among have other kids. friends have fun like mm-hmm. live a life that is not about fighting all of mm-hmm. these things but we all know and this is why this episode made me extremely uneasy and stressed out especially because star wars never lets anything be happy and never lets mm-hmm. anything be this happy for this long uh and anytime anything is so blatantly happy as this and we saw like a little bit of this happen in this episode like uh-oh and not all is some trouble in paradise situations, but like, no, there is no place that's separate from war when the empire is around. It's like the whole point of Andor too. Anytime that's something like there's no place on in the galaxy that the empire does not touch. Like we saw that in Andor when he's trying to like have his little Island getaway away with his Mm -hmm. earnings from that heist. And then he ends up getting arrested. Like there is no way to live outside the empire. Right. Unfortunately. The, the whole time that we're watching this kind of scenario be presented to them, we as an audience know that it's not possible, it's not sustainable, and that just fills you with even more dread because it's like the nicer, the calmer, the more secure it seems, the worse it's going to be when the rug gets pulled out from under them. I know. All right. So let's get into this episode that 
overall, lovely, beautifully animated character moments filled me with dread. <laughs> yes, absolutely. More than anything. Excruciating in a genuinely, I am so scared for all these people way. Well, we'll sort of cut to where we are. We're checking back in with the batch after the whole Sid fiasco. They have apparently cut ties with Sid. Good for them. Mm-hmm. They yeah. just ghosted her, which I think is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and now they're working with Fee, uh, mm-hmm. the, um, you know, artifact hunter, Indiana Jones type pirate that we met um, and got to know in our Indiana Jones Legend of Zelda episode. Mm-hmm. So now they're working with her. They're helping be her muscle while she's like in the artifacts trade in the underworld and things. There's an action sequence that kind of feels like a little bit of a like, you know, fun, like bad guys have an artifact thing. And there's a whole shoot off and kind of Indiana mm-hmm. Jonesy vibes. Yeah. And it, but the the point of it is definitely to kind of emphasize because. Uh, Omega is so competent at this. She's like yeah. a little adult doing this very dangerous work, you know, like just in this shootout with these very scary gangsters. And it's already like, wow, she's a child who's not, who does not have a childhood at this point. Like this is her reality and she's fine with it. She's not acting like a child or being treated like a child by her her family. She's mm-hmm. She's confidently engaging in dangerous grown-up behavior right now. They escape, they get the artifact, they go back on on their ship with V. They get a a holograph transmission from Sid in which she is berating them for having ghosted her for 20 cycles. Yeah, uh, she's like, you all better be dead. <laughs> you all better be dead, which shows how much she cares about them. Um, and saying that she caught she's They've cost her money. Um, and it's like, honey, get some new muscle. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. I'm Sid is really getting on my nerves right now. And reminds them basically in a not so veiled threat that, in fact, she basically says, I'm threatening you. Uh, we mm-hmm. know, I know a lot of information about you. So right. we have a mutually beneficial agreement. Basically, she's saying, get your asses back here before I tell everyone about what, what your deals are. And yeah, Fee is like, wait, you ditched her? And Hunter's like, yeah, we uh, really realized the arrangement was not so mutually beneficial. So uh, we we did not go back to working with her. Um, and Fee's basically saying, well, okay, Sid's a good ally, but she is not someone you want as an enemy, if you know all that. So do you have any plans on what you're doing next? And they're kind of like, uh, it's this. Uh, can we keep working for you or hook us up with something, please. <laughs> and she's like, I'm going um, to take you somewhere. She also mentions at some point, she's like, she's commenting that about how competent Omega was in that whole like dangerous negotiation fight that they went for. And mm-hmm. she was like, you guys really good at teaching her how to be a soldier, but do you ever think like it might be beneficial for her to have friends her own age and be able to yeah. like, learn how to do things that kids should do well she said friends her own age not uh, not of her same like genetic genetic profile genetic profile (laughs) and i think it's like um tech is like well we never had that yeah and she's like (laughs) okay you guys are examples of why maybe that wasn't the best thing yeah yeah well we never had that we're fine look at us okay Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, she, yeah, they go to this place that she has connections with called Pabu, which is an island. An island on a planet. We don't know much about the planet at large, but the island. Yeah, is a is a hidden sanctuary that she describes. She describes it as a hidden sanctuary where a lot of refugees have made their home. And it is beyond idyllic like the vibes are like santorini like greece Mm -hmm. like you know like gorgeous like um ocean views like cliffside dwellings dwellings and mountain dwellings with all the lights and water gorgeous flowers everywhere stunning 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 and and so well animated and rendered that you felt like you could actually be there and you're like you smelled the like sound the ocean and you heard the like you felt like you were I was like, I want a vacation there. That looks stunning. Um, and yeah, it's this hidden sanctuary world where a bunch of refugees from other planets have come together and created this community. And she knows it because she is in the business of liberating a bunch of artifacts from the cultures that have come here to mm-hmm. be housed in their in like their sort of library as like a right. way to um, preserve these cultures. So she has a working relationship and a seemingly close personal relationship with this, with the mayor named, whose name is Shep Hazard. And he has a daughter who's around Omega's age named Liana, uh, who is very close to her, apparently calling her Auntie Fee, and then introduces them all to the batch. Liana immediately is like, new friend to Omega. And... Then ends basically saying like, yeah, she's never brought other people here, so she must really like you. And Omega seems once again like with Hera, or even the little Wookie, uh, like she's like so delighted, but obviously surprised to like get the chance to interact with people close to her own age, like yeah. who immediately engage with her as a peer, a kid mm-hmm. to play with and yeah. enjoy as a friend instead of just being like, who's this little person? And why mm-hmm. are they with you adults? And like you get the sense like she doesn't even realize it's something that she doesn't have until it's there in front of her. And until she's she just gets so it, yeah. excited. Yeah, she gets so excited to have a friend. Uh, they get invited to have a big feast. They The mayor takes them all on a, on a tour of the island and how much it has um, been built up. He explains that the upper part of the island is the older part, uh, but as more people arrive, they expanded over the wall into lower Pabu. Yeah, they basically, the mayor knows everybody. They're like, there's tons of families there and children, and it's just extremely idyllic looking. Like, looks like there's a lot of fishing there and fishing boats and things. Like, a lot of ways to, like, mm-hmm. live a, a lifestyle. There, yeah, and very just support yourself and be happy, prosperous, and prosperous. Yeah, yeah. They have all these little cute monkey things, and yeah, Omega's playing with the monkeys and playing with her friends and laughing. And Tex like kind of seems a little shook that he's like, I haven't heard her laugh like that in a long time, which is like they're all all of the batch is like getting kind of very emotionally affected by all of this because they're right. seeing suddenly. Omega in this light where they're like, oh man, she's a kid. She needs to have this life. Like she mm-hmm. should be able to do this 
we want her to be able to do this. And that part really reminded me of that second episode of season one where Omega is playing ball and laughing with the kids and enjoying I'm so excited the about touching dirt. Yeah, and touching dirt. And they're all looking at her with wonder and like, and like kind of sad that she doesn't know what dirt is. Yeah, and they're they want that for her in that moment too. But like mm-hmm. that was so long ago and it's been so long since they've heard her laugh like that. Like that just made me so sad. Yeah, and so they have this big feast. Wrecker is remarking on being full and being that so a, a sensation that he's not used to and he loves right. it here. Fee and Tech <laughs> seem to be having a romantic connection. Yeah, yeah, I'm like love yeah. love this. Love this for Tech. Um yeah, I mean like Sophie's been like flirting with Tech since she met him and calling him yeah. brown eyes, but I was always like not like, quite sure how much into it. I was like is this sexual harassment? I'm not sure how into it he is. She right. keeps saying flirtatious things towards him. And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> right. It's, it was a bit one-sided. A bit one-sided, and she's still doing it in this episode, but then in this episode, I think, I don't know if it's the atmosphere or what, he actually seems to be kind of bonding with her. Like, they're talking mm. a lot and, like, making eye contact and smiling at each other a lot. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, Tech. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Love this for you. This is happening. Everybody. Lots and of like, good stuff. Lots of good stuff is happening. Everybody seems so happy here. And uh, the mayor is talking to Hunter and saying, like, you know, as a father, I can say that this is a great place to raise a child. And Hunter's mm-hmm. like, uh, that's making me think. Like, you can see that. He's like, yeah, and, okay, and, yeah. And the other guy's like, Shep is clearly like, hint, hint, uh, you need to let you her probably be a kid. Raise think a, about raise this. your child here. Yeah. You can stay here. Why don't you raise your child here? And then, and then you're like, oh my God, you can see a world like this. Like, they settle down, they do fishing or something they take care they let omega be a child with her friends tech and fee get together and mm-hmm. and wrecker is happy with all the seafood and everything like they could live such a happy forever after here liana and omega go out on a boat to see the sunset which is like such a just like innocent child thing to do and omega is just so in love with this place and talks about how she grew up surrounded by the ocean but she never really enjoyed it like this before and Leon is talking to her about like asking her about her life and she's saying the empire destroyed her home and that they've always been moving around and Liana is basically like hey that sounds kind of lonely like essentially being like yeah you're refugees too you should stay here basically Mm -hmm. like she's heard this story before and then there's suddenly like a tremor Hunter senses something before it happens because he's got his senses. And uh uh-oh, turns out there's a catch. Like there always is with these sort of places like Santorini or Mm -hmm. you were like big Pompeii vibes. Mm -hmm. Any place like this that's like in a Mediterranean environment where like it's clearly very like verdant agriculturally and seafood and all these things. It's always like with fruits growing everywhere and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's it's near a volcano. It always big is. volcano. A yeah. big volcano, or, or like or like major like um, fault line or something. There's a reason Santorini was so like destroyed and Pompeii and mm-hmm. all those places always get built up again every time. 
without yeah. really much regard. So there's a tremor. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's okay. There's always a tremor. Uh, they're like, is yeah, there something it wrong? It happens all the time. Um, Mayor's like, yeah, if there were really going to be a problem, then the early warning system would go off. And then mm-hmm. suddenly these early warning sirens start going off. Oops. And uh-oh, yeah. this might be more than a tremor. This might be a big eruption of some sort which means whatever is going on whether this is an earthquake or volcanic activity the main threat appears to be what they're referring to as a sea surge which is a tsunami yeah Yeah. triggers a tsunami it triggers a tsunami which is the Mm -hmm. threat that these early warning things are coming for and the problem is because the older part of pabu was built up on top of the island, it was safe from tsunamis, but since they've expanded, the lower part is not safe from tsunamis. Very also Pompeii-esque. <laughs> yes, because funny funny thing about Pompeii that I always like to mention to people is that's like, not an inactive it's been rebuilt. volcano. The the volcano is very much still active, and the current um, Pompeii as it exists today is actually closer to the. Uh, mouth of the volcano than Pompeii was back when it erupted in, you know, ancient Rome. In Pompeii like and Herculeum, if you're, yeah. if you're an ancient history nerd like we are. Yeah, yeah. that was actually... And, and that didn't go well for them, so we're no, kind of screwed. It, no, and I mean, it's like same thing with like um, the fault lines, the San Andreas fault, you know, all that. Yeah. It's just like a... Uh, Yellowstone. I, I, humans, we just, we do that. And we just be like, well, okay, if it happens, I guess whatever. It it's rare, but it will happen. Well, yeah, I thought it was happening. interesting. Hashap was like, oh, we haven't had a uh, major, you know, sea surge as they refer sea to sea surge it. in like over like like two decades or something like that. And it's like, well, that's actually not that long. You guys yeah. didn't think about that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, away from our uh, geological history talk. Um, so there's a tsunami coming. They start trying to figure out how to, first of all, they have to evacuate the entirety of Lower Pabu into the upper part of the city. But Mm. Liana and Omega are still out on the water. They're talking to them. They start pulling, they start going in as fast as they can. But the water's already being pulled back out Mm -hmm. by the impending tsunami. So they're having trouble going back in. The boat is pulling their boat towards rocks so they have to jump out um and then the water recedes to have all this land you know as it does when tsunamis are coming which is yeah which is like one of the like most terrifying like a natural phenomena ever that that's something that happens it's like so scary the there's suddenly empty ground where there was the ocean because there's going to be yeah, a wall like of water coming things. yeah and so Terrifying. they're on the 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 ground the tide has receded they see the the big tsunami coming they start running hunt they contact hunter hunter is asking them to keep their locator on they're running towards pabu the residents are running up the steps they mm. have to go and evacuate all the houses tech and fee are kind of taking this job on they lower the these rescue ladders so people can climb up at the same time that they're running up the steps to like because otherwise they're not going to get up in time yeah yeah the waves are coming they use their trusty grappling hooks to get up there 
to let the ladders come down. And then Wrecker is also um, looking for people left in their houses and carrying them and things. And and then Hunter finds Liana and Omega in the Marauder. He picks Literally, they're like outrunning the wall of water. The water. He picks them up just as the tsunami would have like swept them away. The tsunami is coming. They've with Wrecker and uh, the mayor and Tech and Fee, they managed to evacuate everybody up into Upper Pabu before the ocean waves sweep and completely like wreck Lower Pabu. Yeah. <laughs> and then they see they see Wrecker and Omega and Liana on the Marauder. So everyone's okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that happened. I think that that was more... We'll get to the aftermath. The aftermath is that they, everybody survived, but everything is devastated down in the lower Pabu. They know they have. there's a lot of homeless residents. They have to rebuild. They're going to take care of each other. And, and, and Hunter offers to stay and help with the rebuilding, which is kind of his soft, his soft, he's mm-hmm. soft launching their permanent residency there, which is what he right. was thinking of doing anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, we can help you guys. You know, yeah, we can stay and help rebuild. Hint, hint, we want to stay here forever. Mm-hmm. And so they agree. The end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, that th- there was tension and drama with the tsunami, which I think was kind of a, you know, a realistic way of talking about how there's always a downside to swipe to paradises like this. But also, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a one time, this isn't the threat of the empire. It's like a thing that they learn to live with and everyone ends up being okay. And it's really it doesn't just happen sort of, very often and they can rebuild. Yeah. And it's sort of drama just to add tension to the episode and allow the characters feelings about this place and its people to get even more cemented. Mm-hmm. So really, this episode is really here just to show us this idyllic life that the Bad Batch could have and the end of the episode choose to have with mm-hmm. these new mm-hmm. bonds and ways of being a family outside of war, which means that the other shoe is going to drop and it's going to drop hard. And I haven't, yes. I'm not, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but like this crosshair stuff and all this stuff, something's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. I hope that they don't bring the bad guys to this place and end up like hurting all these innocent people. Yeah, but knowing Star Wars, that's a really they good probably that will, <laughs> and everything's going to be terrible. So yeah, yeah, if that's why I say that this was a uh, dread-inducing episode for me, it was mm-hmm. so beautiful. The animation was gorgeous. Like the ocean environments felt so like tangible and real, and it was lovely seeing. Omega making a new friend and getting to be a kid. It was lovely seeing Hunter like looking to embrace his role. They're all of their roles as the Bad Batch's fathers instead of Mm -hmm. soldiers. It Mm. was great seeing Tech and Fee or Tech finding a possible romance. Like it was great seeing all of this. It was Mm -hmm. great. Wow. What a a wonderful uh, opportunity to show what could be. Can't Mm. wait for next episode where it all goes to shit. But you know yeah. what? That's Star Wars for us. Yeah, no one can have sometimes, nice things. Sometimes I talk to you and I'm like, why do we like this? I love it. Mm. It's so good. But it's constantly so depressing. Yeah, there was a like every once in a while I play this like thought experiment game with you where I'm like, can we actually think of any character in Star Wars who who ends up ha- happy? Like, a truly really? happy ending. Truly happy ending. And um, I feel like we maybe figured out one person, but I don't remember who it was. Like, genuinely. Like, 
listeners, if you want to like, you know, hit us up and let us know if there's someone in Star Wars who has a someone genuinely in Star Wars happy who's a genuinely unblemished happy ending. Not Ooh. like, and I'm not talking like they, they end up happy where we last saw them. I'm like, because if it's like they ended up happy, but they were on Alderaan or they ended up happy, but you know, they were right. on this planet. Or like, oh, everybody at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi, but that doesn't count. No, because, okay. no, it doesn't right. count. Right. Um, They're happy then, like that and kind of say And say what you will about the sequel trilogy, but uh, the fact that it all doesn't last, the happiness doesn't last is one of the best parts about it because it's realistic and poignant, you know? Mm. It's like, oh, that's Star Wars for you. Mm. Who has a happy ending? Maybe the guy, the, 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 the Rancor Tamer from Return of the Jedi, he gets a pretty happy ending in the Aftermath books, actually. Oh, yeah. That was nice. It's kind of sad, nice. but then it's kind of happy. He gets to yeah. join up with uh, Cobb Vanth and, you know, yeah. have a little happily ever after with his animal friends. That was nice. I like that. That was nice. Um, anything else? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we got one. Boba Fett seems to be doing pretty well in the book of Boba Fett at the end. I really hope so. Well, just thus far. <laughs> Yeah, he's I laughing he, with this, laughing with the mods. Yeah, he's got fruit in his hand <laughs> to eat. Yeah, that's he's nice. Got his pet. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. There you he's go. got his pet rancor. We'll yeah. see how long that lasts, but that's yeah. nice. Okay, two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, and and uh, Fennec Sand, she gets a Again. happy ending with. As far as we know, but I don't think this is the last we're going to see of either of those two either. So I just don't want to say anything yet. Yeah. I'm only confident. Insane it about somebody whose like story is open and shut done. Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe Boba Fett. Okay. All right. Anyway. Uh comment on the on the on social media who had a happy ending in Star Wars and we'll see if it actually exists. Um mm -hmm. I guess that's us talking Bad Batch. Uh we're dreading next week when the other shoe will drop, but we hope to actually be there with an episode because hopefully we won't be waylaid by all the insanity knocking on all, all the wood right now. Um, but yeah, we want to talk about it when it happens yeah. as it inevitably will. Um, we yeah. have one episode left before the two part finale. So yeah. it's going to go down. Yeah. So yeah, it's... can't wait for that. Follow best one since the next one where you're listening to this on social media, on Instagram, um and when you're there comment let us know who has mm -hmm. a happy ending in star wars does it who? exist who i'm thinking Please, maybe the there's like God, some there, there might be some minor characters in some novels that i've read that i can think of that like we don't get enough of a follow-up on them and they're happy at the end of the book so it's like yeah probably them but I feel like all the books I've read are bummer central, so I'm not okay, sure. Okay, well, there's a few I mean, in a supporting good way, characters I can think of in Master and Apprentice who I assume have a happy ending. <laughs> okay. That's one. There's okay. two in that After, book, like, trauma galore, but... Like, yeah, oh, yeah, no, after, like, horrific trauma, but I'm talking about the end, <laughs> end goal. Because, okay. you mean, again, Boba Fett did not have a good life either. Okay. Just right. let us know. Comment, Comment. Let, let us, us know. know. Show me there is some joy left in Star No, we have joy in Star Wars. Too. I love Star Wars. But, this is all great. But but, but yeah. no one is happy in it. No. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. Best one since the next one. Follow and listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Ring the bell to get notified on Spotify. Give us five stars on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Um, do it for us and do it for the overall show, best one since the next one, because it's super duper rad. Mm. Right now, John's doing a 
soundtrack banger like March Madness tournament that um, has been really fun. And I've been voting. I don't know if that counts as inside manipulation as the official Star Wars correspondent or not, but I have opinions. it out there. And there have been some really, really tough choices. Like I, mm-hmm. I had to choose between... I did choose between Purple Rain and Ghostbusters today, oh, and I honestly was offended. Um, a spoiler alert, I voted Purple Rain because it's yeah. Prince, and you know, it's a great freaking song, but Ghostbusters, man. can't believe yeah. I had to choose something over Ghostbusters. It, yeah, I Purple Rain's the winner, but... It, but it was painful. That's, it was that painful. Is a horrific choice to make. Yeah, Ghostbusters was our our go to part roll up to the party song in college. Mm-hmm. No matter what That's time of year it was. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> Halloween be damned. It was rolling up to any event like yeah. blasting Ghostbusters. <laughs> you want any idea of who we are? Um, okay, so there's that. Do you follow best one since the next one? And yeah, check in with us next week when we uh, cover how this will probably end in tragedy. We love the Mm -hmm. Bad Batch, though. These were some great episodes, especially a certain freaking masterpiece of television called The Outpost. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm Stephanie. I'm Allison. And we'll, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.